On the blower, all the way from Springfield, Missouri, I have one of the founding Ozark Mountain Daredevils, Ozark Joe himself, Randall Chowning. Welcome to 3MDR and Harmonica Riff Raff Randall. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's our pleasure as well, mate. Cheers. Randall, can you take us back in time uh, to the formation of the Ozarks and how it all began? Certainly. I, uh, I was uh, really getting into songwriting. I was uh, in college. Uh, it was during the Vietnam era, actually, mm-hmm. toward the end of the Vietnam era. I was uh, playing in a group that uh, did what we call cover songs, uh, mainly other people's material. Yeah. And uh, I, I had noticed here around Springfield, around my home here, uh, some songwriters <clears throat> and who didn't seem to be uh, employed in a band, so to speak. And uh, I quit the band I was in. I, I actually talked to Larry Lee first and John Dillon. Larry was our original drummer who had come back from being in the Navy uh, a couple of years prior. And uh, I knew he wrote songs. I'd seen him uh, on the drums. And, and he's, he's a singing drummer, which is rather rare, like Don Henley and uh, Karen Carpenter. And, uh, you know, I'm only talking about American artists right now. But uh, it's, it's kind of a rare thing to see a, a drummer, that, especially one that writes songs and sings off the drum kit, because it's very difficult. Yeah. And uh, originally, John Dillon, who played uh, rhythm guitar primarily, and Larry and myself, uh, the three of us got together and kind of exchanged some songs. And uh, the great thing was is we had a uh, very uh, seductive, I would call it seductive, harmony blend mm-hmm. right off. Um, yeah. Not real strong, not a real you know, come out and, and kick your butt harmony, but very seductive and uh, somewhat endearing. So the three of us got together the first few times, and it expanded from that. And it's interesting, too, that the band, there's so many songwriters, and I think that showed through on the albums, the different uh, tracks that they could vary so much. And again, I think that was another integral part to the band. Yeah. Larry only writes... Uh, his style, Larry's style, is more pop, R and B. He doesn't he doesn't get too far away from that stylistically. Our harmonica player was Steve Cash, and he was a friend of John Dylan's. And uh, honestly, I thought, well, do we need this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but he's the one that did Chicken Train, and he has this unique uh, harmonica style. And uh, he and John wrote a song called If You Want to Get to Heaven, uh, You've Got to Raise a Little Hell. And that was initially uh, what you call an outtake uh, or a, a spare song right. from our first album. It wasn't, it wasn't initially intended to be on. And uh, as an afterthought, uh, we booted another song off and put it on, and it, it was a minor hit, which really got us... Uh, some notice and got us really going and started. And so, uh, so uh, some of it's been accidental, but there, you're right, there are a lot of songwriters, uh, a lot of competition to get songs on record, uh, which uh, actually was healthy, I think. Uh, so that's the way it was. Yeah, it, uh, it's, well, that song went to, uh, it was 
top 30 hit and and you're right about interesting style of harmonica playing that steve had and it was like it was a played through quite a few songs too it was the two and three draw uh with a bend scooping up and then the uh, tucker sort of sound that came through on quite a few different tracks over the time mm-hmm. it's um his style is kind of a kind of an old folk bluegrass style uh that you don't hear very often uh and it is a bit unique to him uh it's it's more of a um, uh, rhythm, rhythmic thing. Uh, uh, he doesn't do a lot of single notes, uh, and so he, he's basically he's kind of locked. He's locked in there. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like playing uh, uh, Keith Richards on rhythm guitar. You know, it's great, but you can't go anywhere with it. You got <laughs> to stay right there. You know, <laughs> it was part of it. You know, sadly, I mean, in my view, as we went along and we got a little more complex and. We had more tracks available in the studio, and we had more players available. Uh, Steve kind of withdrew uh, that element, uh, the black sky or the chicken train, yeah. kind of, uh, as you say, kind of chunky. He started to withdraw, and uh, uh, we got away from that. And that was one of the things that really kind of hurt us, was when you had four people writing songs, and uh, each person really wanting to having the freedom basically uh to record that song stylistically uh, any way you wanted to it kind of uh, sabotaged the own, our, our own band because we could bring in other players or we could just eliminate a harmonica out of several songs altogether and uh that's kind of what happened over time was uh, we had more opportunity to more tracks, more people that could play on our songs, and we had less less time to work up songs and rehearse as a band. So we kind of got away from ourselves, <laughs> so to speak, well, and that happens. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I was going to ask you this uh, somewhere in the interview about uh, Jackie Blue being so different from any other song and what I wouldn't have called typical Ozark sort of sound, uh, I think that did have an effect on uh, the music from then on. Not, not, not to denigrate the track, because it's a fantastic track and a beautiful song, but it sort of, I don't know, it just sort of uh, took away from the, the original Ozark sound. Well, it, it was. It was a step a step way out of, of how we started, and a lot of people resented that song actually hmm. and even though it's our most successful song uh they didn't relate to that and it and uh, and obviously uh our first record uh, there was nothing on there that was uh really too close to that unless you know larry you know if you've been around him and you listen to him play uh he's more like a, i don't know uh if you're familiar with todd rundgren or yeah, todd yeah. rundgren yeah. uh uh, and there's another American artist named um, Michael Franks. A lot of people don't know about Michael. Michael's voice is a lot like Larry Lee's, but Larry's voice is so unique. And uh, you know, I, 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 and like I say, we were songwriters with really nobody. Uh, even though we had producers and the record label, they weren't telling us. Nobody was telling us no. Uh, don't no, don't do this. You need a harmonica on this. 
or don't do this song because uh, we just we had success way early on. And uh, honestly, as a group of songwriters, we weren't ready to be performers or entertainers mm-hmm. uh, at that time. So we were kind of thrown out into the arena uh, the deep without, end. Uh, without a plan, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, oh. I mean, you know, you, you, I mean, I can go on forever about this because I've had all these years to look at it. But I think uh, I think the music business, you know, everybody at some point or other has to realize that it's the entertainment business, and uh, there's some people that are more naturally prone. Uh, to be able to survive that, mm-hmm. uh, if you take the songwriting out of it and you take uh, the, the God-given talent or whatever out of it, and, and then there's this big, this big uh, monster that's called the entertainment business. Yeah. And uh, you know, some people are entertainers, or some people can handle that, and others cannot. And uh, I've spoke a lot recently to people at some of my shows that I do. And, and I, and I tell them, I, I say, I hate to tell you this, but the Beatles, you know, they failed miserably, and they knew. Great band, great songs, great recording artists, terrible entertainers. They mm-hmm. weren't ready. Mm-hmm. And look who's still entertaining, the Rolling Stones. Still entertaining. It's brutal. It's a mindset. Doesn't mean that the Rolling Stones are a better band. No, of course no. not. Yep. Uh, but they understand how to entertain and they can deal with that, and they do it very well. And there's, you know, you could go down the list. There's a lot of wonderful, wonderful, great bands that had wonderful, great songs that recorded tremendously and great talent. But going out and entertaining is another, uh, it's another field of endeavor, actually. It's just, it requires something, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it requires a level of giving that even surpasses uh, being a good band or having a good song, being able to record really well. Yeah. Going out there and entertaining is is that's the final challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's not easy. Yeah, my favorite song. I think I, in my first email to you, because I credited the harmonica on this song to Steve, not realizing it was you. Because I don't even think on the your first album uh, which was self-titled and sometimes called the quilt album i don't think that it was even credited that you played harmonica my favorite song uh is road to glory which you penned yourself yeah i think you had two songs uh country girls on on that album uh, could you tell us a bit about road to glory because uh, look I've, I've sometimes played it uh quite often when i do a it's easter or christmas time and and I don't know that it's got that connotation, Christian connotation or not, but it gives me an excuse to play it anyway. So what's the background to that? And it's a beautiful song. It starts brilliantly with the, the fiddle and uh, then the harp intro. And Well, uh, well, thank you, first off. I, uh, not to say that I'm a huge Neil Young fan, but I did listen to, uh, I listened to a lot of Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. as everybody in America couldn't escape him mm-hmm. during, those, during the 60s. I, I was actually born in 1950, and I uh, my father was a, a radio guy from World War II. He was with General Patton and General Montgomery in North Africa. And uh, our little, I mean, we were in the outback, more or less, in, in my part of central south Missouri. But my father, being a radio man, uh, had the best equipment that you could have in the 1950s. And so 
we got to I got to listen to Memphis radio and and I got to watch Memphis television in the 1950s and so um, I and I got infected with pop music and all this stuff my mother sang and she loved music my father being a radio man a TV radio repairman had guitars and amplifiers and steel guitars in his shop mm-hmm. uh, so I grew up around this stuff my brother was kind of a rebel rock and roller he was quite a bit older than me but trying to get back to the song so I, I kind of grew up with this rock and roll folky uh, kind of background uh, what I heard during the daytime when I was very young it's not what I heard my brother dialing in at night. <laughs> he was getting black music out of Memphis at night. Yep. I was getting country and folk music during the daytime because <laughs> it was that far back. You didn't hear rock and roll. I mean, I remember when there wasn't any rock and roll in America. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so at any rate, um, I, I, I kind of gravitated to uh, when I started playing, I wanted to write, mainly. I, I don't consider myself a musician. I'm a writer and somewhat of a singer. So I gravitated to the harmonica and to the acoustic guitars, actually uh, before electrics, even though I was surrounded by those. That song, it's hard to explain. Uh, you get into a space, and uh, I still do to this very day. Uh, I don't sit down and try to contrive a song. I just kind of get into a mood, and I get a feeling, and more or less the song uh it comes through an emotion or I just let go and let it happen. And especially in those days, I would just write lyrics out uh, kind of without thought, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still do that every once in a while. Uh, I lived in Nashville for almost 10 years. You know, you got to contrive everything you do there. (laughs) You know, everything has to be according to a certain set of rules. But Road to Glory <laughs> was just a gift. Uh, I've had several songs that I think have been really uh, gifts that I really can't even take credit for. But uh, when I was working on that song, it was just prior to the Daredevils getting together. I mean, right at the same time. And uh, my brother, like I said, was much older. his black sheep of the family. And he would disappear for one, two, three years at a time, and nobody would hear from him. When I was uh, working on that song, just about to piece it together, one afternoon, still living at my parents' home, my brother walked in the door, and uh, I hadn't seen him in probably two years. Mm. It wasn't long after that that the Daredevils got together, and he helped, and he was a road manager, and, and that song became kind of a kind of a, a centerpiece or a, a glue, if you will, that seemed to affect everybody. So. Uh, I don't know if that explains it very well. Uh, it is a gift. It's a, it's a gift. It's a, it's a gift from uh, uh, a higher power, I guess I would say. I, I, I just—it's uh, humbling to be able to do that. Uh, it still happens to me. I, I'm still getting songs like that. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. I think you have to keep your heart open. You have to be—you uh, have to be uh, guilt-free, more or less. Uh, and I've tried to be more and more as I get older. Uh, try to just get rid of any guilt, uh, and, and so uh, I, I can't. I mean, I didn't sit there and go, "Oh, oh I know what this means." Right. <laughs> <laughs> it makes more sense to me now than it did then. I mean, it's uh, you know, uh, I just found out the other, just recently somebody said, "Oh, you know, white horses are considered good luck." 
All right. really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I mean, okay. that's an American folk thing that I, did, I knew nothing about. Yeah. You know, it's been in that sense. Uh, you know, uh, I said four white horses. So gifted four times, uh, a lady with night black hair. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just, I could see that. Yeah. I could see four white horses and this woman with real dark hair, almost like a diva. <laughs> I <I'm laughs> image. <laughs> well, horses aren't known for their their dress and attire, are they? They're no. almost always naked. <laughs> uh, anyway, great. I don't think I explained that song worth a damn. But, no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a gift. It's a gift. No, no, you have. It's interesting too that uh, it starts in the courtyard. Is a card game and. Uh, and the winner was it lose it loses it all. I'm trying to think now. It's all to play the song. Well, right, and uh, yeah, yes, exactly. And, and the winner loses. Well, I mean, it's you know, looking back on it now, it's it's life. You mm. know, the, the hills are, the hills are gray with trouble. A, di- a dry spring gathers dust. Uh, I mean, I mean, we go through drought. We go, you know, trouble is always about, and your love is crying. In the valley, well, the valley can mean just in a low spot, of course, a low yeah. spot in the relationship. She lost her trust. I mean, I look back on it now, and I seem to be this wise. Hmm. I, I, at the time, I was 22, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I seem to be this wise old preacher, you know, yeah. putting this little poem together. <laughs> uh, but like I say, it was uh, subliminal, and I'm happy to say it was, that I could channel that, or that I could transfer it. Uh, uh, that's the only way. I, I would never say, oh, this is my great creation art or something. No, that's not the way it happened. That's not the way it still happens. It, it's, it's a gift that I'm very fortunate enough to be able to transfer and I almost, I just have to get into a certain frame of mind and let it let it happen. Usually, it's uh, kind of a depressed mode, <laughs> but uh you know, uh, I haven't made a lot of money at it, any of it yet, but <laughs> I've certainly enjoyed it, and people have enjoyed it, and, and it's touched people, so yeah. it's humbling. It's very humbling I, I, uh, I think that, that works. I think it's an underrated track. To me, it's one of the all-time classic tracks from the Ozarks, and, and obviously your work. In recent times, early 2000s, you and Larry Lee sort of got a project together, Beyond Reach, a couple of CDs, an EP, I think. And you also won an award, uh, a a writer's award, the first uh, people, non-authors, to win an award. Is that right, Randall? Yeah, that's correct. correct. Can you tell us a bit Um, about that? The thing about the the Daredevils was we, uh, we knew each other, but we had never, actually any of us had never worked in a group together. And so we really were a band of strangers. I moved to Tennessee in 1999 and tried to be a professional writer in Nashville. Larry moved, he had lived there already 10 years. And uh, I, uh, we got, actually became friends and actually got to know each other <laughs> uh, all that time later. So the band... The band formed in 1972, and I'm talking about uh, the late 90s now, uh, around 2000, before Larry and I really got to know one another, because things happened real quickly. Mm. Uh, I left, then he left. Larry left for about the same reason I did, because as by and large, the band didn't want to tour that much. So that's because of death. Uh, 
Larry did pretty well as a producer in Nashville, and uh, it, it was great. And I saw him today, as a matter of fact, a few hours ago. We are uh, uh, good friends. Uh, we enjoy uh, recording, just being friends. We enjoy that. Writings, we don't write too much together, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a few things this year, later this year. We have uh, another friend that's uh, uh, a good uh, multi-instrumentalist named Dave Wilson, and he's going to play with us, just the three of us, acoustically. Um but uh, Larry and I became friends in Nashville. We recorded uh, a CD down there with some great players, and it's called Beyond Reach. Then uh, we did a second one. Well, it's been about three years ago now. After we moved back to Missouri, just by happenstance, we both left Nashville about the same time. It's called Further. Reels are on. You will find those on CD Baby. Yep. Beyond Reach uh, is on C- CD Baby. You will find them on Amazon. And uh, we're getting ready to record... Uh, what we've already agreed is going to be our third and last one. <laughs> and we haven't titled it yet, but we have the songs. And uh, I also did a thing called Those Art Show yes. uh, on my own. Yes. Uh, which is kind of, you know, acoustic, more folky country than what Larry and I do. Yeah. Back to your roots there with that one, your original yeah, roots. And, and uh, I, I'm doing, I just finished the second Those Art Show. All right. Uh, it has a little bit more, it has a couple of things that are a little bit more pop oriented on it. And I'm kind of like, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to take a break here. If a great song comes along, I'll, I'll record it. But it's it's a lot of it's it's a lot of work to put together a whole CD, uh, even if it's even with all the resources available. It's a lot of thought. It's a lot of oh, should this song follow that? Should I do this song? Should I be saying this? You start to get way self conscious. Uh, I mean, uh, it sounds crazy after all this time, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's look at because I wanted to focus on your CD Bottle Tree, which we can, as you mm-hmm. said, you can get this on CD Baby. Why? Why was it titled Bottle Tree? And I, I like the cover behind you there with the tree. How did that come about? The title. Well, as I was growing up in the Ozarks, and I think this is well probably a thing of the South, that people would uh, make these bottle trees, but generally out of uh, uh, cedar trees, which is a evergreen that we yeah. have in the, in the lower part of America. Uh, they're real gnarly. They're really, a lot of people hate them. Yeah. But they have multiple limbs, and they will last a long time. People used to uh, use them for fence posts and such. Yeah. And when I was growing up, uh, you know, out in the uh, the countryside in the Ozarks, you would drive by homes, and you would see these bottle trees, and they were uh, decorative. And generally, a, a cedar tree with uh, everybody seemed to like to use blue bottles because they're prettier. Yeah. Sometimes they would use all different colors, brown and clear and yellow and what have you. And it's kind of disappeared. I, I see some now that are made out of metal. Uh, it's kind of a folk art thing that's lost. Wanted to recreate that. That's all it was. And so uh, my my uh, I, I, my grandson watched me and put those together, helped me. And when we got when we got the first one finished, you know, he, he stood back and he looked at it and he said, "You sure have to get drunk a lot to do one of these, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute." I said, "A friend of mine gave me about three quarters of these." <laughs> okay, Randall. But at any rate, it's a folk thing, <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of like quilting, you know, things that are, you know, 
Yeah. I, I don't know what the idea was. Uh, integrity might have been even to, to uh, ward off some sort of something, some spirits or something. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't tell you the history behind it. But, uh, uh, I love it. Now this. Sorry, mate. There's there's three tracks that stand out there. The little intro that you do, uh, the traditional song, which I I don't know a lot about, but I love I Know You Rider, and maybe you could explain that to the listeners as well. And one that you wrote, uh, Waving Me Goodbye, they, they really stood out to me. Well, I, I so appreciate that. Uh, again, that's just, that goes back to the heart of what I grew up with, you know. Uh, uh, you know, back to Road to Glory for a second. Yeah. And and waving me goodbye, it's same kind of deal. Yeah. Because I've, I've you know I've been in the Ozarks and, and in Tennessee, um, and all over, but most of my life I've been in the Ozarks and, and in Tennessee. What I feel like is if you listen to that song and you look out the window and you see the hills in the distance, and then as they get further away, they get bluer, they change colors, and that's uh, yeah. that's kind of like the photo on the back of Ozark Joe. It's a very uh, enchanting view that's if you listen to road to glory or or even uh waving me goodbye if you listen to that music and you look out at the view that i look out at all the time uh they seem to go together yep they, they, the, the music seems to fit, fit yeah the uh the hills so to speak I, I used to feel that way about robbie robinson and the band whenever i'd listen to some of their stuff I was driving around out in the country, and I'd see an old dilapidated barn or something, something outside of the city anyway. Yeah. And I'd be listening to uh, Robbie Robertson and the band. The music seemed to fit what I was seeing. That's kind of what uh, what I tr- have tried to stick to, uh, more or less. Have you been out to Australia at all? No. No. We had a chance. We had a chance. Oh, I think 1970, late 74, 75. Right, but we hadn't really. Uh, it, it, it was kind of a almost kind of a thing. We went well. Uh, we weren't getting re- at that time. We weren't really getting airplay that much. Well, we had all kinds of opportunities. We had all kinds of opportunities uh, that we weren't taking advantage of. And uh, television appearances, uh, touring appearances, uh, we had an opportunity to come to Australia uh, that I'm sure probably everybody regrets now. But uh, more or less, we passed. Uh, you know, the, the band has talked about it over and over, or certainly going back to England again. Yeah. Uh, we just have, we have some problems uh, between us, uh, and it's, it's you know, it's personal and professional. And the professional part of it, I don't know which one's worse. <laughs> I don't know if it's the personal part that is the stumbling block or the professional part. It could be the professional part Yeah. is, is really the problem, not... Not the fact that, you know, we need to apologize to each other and, and show some respect, which we do. I think we could get past that. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, they've got, a, they're, they're working with 11 people, three original members and 11 people mm. all together. 11. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, uh, I don't yeah. know how to delegate 11 <laughs> parts. I get people all the time going, wish you guys could get back together. You know, I do too. Yeah. I, I do too. I, I wish we could, uh, and I hate to disappoint people. I really, I really do. But uh, it's just so hard to to work all these issues out. I just, I just don't. And I, and, you, know, I, you know, there's always, there's always a possibility. Yep. Uh, we'll see. Well, I'm, I might put it to the, some of the Australian promoters and see a Chuggy or someone, and see if we can get reform you and bring you out to Australia. How about that? Well, we would, we would. 
would be open to to any opportunity. And uh, you know how to get a, in touch with me. Uh, we're not like I say, we're not exactly on great terms, but. It's something that, you know, all the time that we get together, Larry and I get together every week. We're rehearsing, we're going to record. I mean, we always, of course, bring up the band and what are they doing? How how many jobs are they going to do this year? You know, wouldn't it be, and Larry said it today, he said, hey, wouldn't it be great to go to Australia? And I said, well, you know what? Yeah, (laughs) we can get, get these obstacles, you know, uh, more or less, uh, get rid of the baggage, lighten it up. You know, just lighten the load, so to speak. (laughs) But uh, I so appreciate it, and thank you for uh, for talking to me and uh, considering my music. And uh, we we will definitely stay in touch. And uh, I'm anxious for you to hear. uh, I'm anxious for you to hear uh, the new stuff that I have. Got a couple of things that I'm really really pleased with. That'll be done. The second Ozark Joe should be done hopefully in a month, and then. Larry and I will do the third, the third CD, and uh, like I said, we kind of took the pressure off each other and said, "Well, maybe we're going to stop after this." <laughs> <laughs> so that way we wouldn't get, you know, get on each other's, you know, nerves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of like keep the friendship like going. Okay, honey, uh, honey, guess what? We're getting divorced next. <laughs> So don't get don't get too mad at me because I'm I'm okay with it. We're gonna split up, but we need to wait <laughs> for another year. <laughs> hey, I don't think that makes any sense. <laughs> keep us in mind, Randall, too, and uh, the the CDs out on CD Baby, and I'll certainly put that across to the listeners. Randall from 3MDR and Harmonica Riffraff, thanks for your mountain music over the years and your time speaking to us today. All righty. Thank you, Phil. Uh, I'll talk to you again. No worries. Cheers, mate.